Tonight, we're going to take communion together. So in the back of the seats, you'll, you'll find the, the communion cups, or if you're in the front row, it'll be on your seats. But let's begin to think about everything that, that Jesus sacrificed for us. Let's begin to, to think about what it means that Jesus came to this earth, that Jesus sacrificed his home, that Jesus came to a place that was broken and remember the ultimate sacrifice he made for us as he spilt his blood and as we, and his body was broken. So as you take the bread, just remember the, the broken body of Christ that forever changed this broken world. And remember the blood that was spilled for each and every one of us to wash us clean. So as this next song is, is playing, take this time to, to, to think about Jesus and the impact he's had on your life and take communion.
you pray with me? God, we, as we stand before you this evening, Lord, we just say thank you. We say thank you that we can now call you in the flesh, Emmanuel, God, with us. And Lord, as we reflect, as we've been singing, as we reflect for the rest of our evening and into tomorrow and the days after that you have literally left your place in heaven to come be with us, my prayer is that we would feel close to you. My prayer is that you would show us how you want us to be, who you want us to become. And Lord, as we glorify and worship like the wise men, a baby in a manger. And that something so small and something so delicate, also the universe is upheld by his strength and his power, God, in your design. And so, Lord, as we turn to your word, as we talk about and look at just what it looks like to realize that there's something in each of us that's from you, my prayer, God, that we would be strengthened, that we would be encouraged, and that we would be emboldened to live for you. So, God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for Christmas Eve. There's no Easter without tonight. There's no resurrection without tomorrow. And God, we worship you. And all God's people said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Good evening. How are you guys doing? I'm glad that you're with us. We're glad that you're with us at Crossroads and that you decided to spend an hour of your family's Christmas Eve time with us, and we're so blessed by that and delighted in that. My name's Tyler. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad that you're here. Welcome family, Crossroads family. Welcome visitors. Welcome family of family, and that means we're all family. Now, I think on this evening, right, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we could say that we're family. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, like how you spend your week you know, especially as it's been super cold the last couple of days, uh, whether you've been watching your favorite Christmas movies or you've been baking, there's been a lot of baking going on in my house this week, and I'm sure similar to you, like cookies, cakes, fudge, cupcakes, you know, all the things that you shouldn't eat and why gyms stay open on January 2nd, right? Um, but there you go, that's what we do. And so with, I don't know about you, but like, you know, who, how you answer this question tells you a lot about yourself as if you're willing to share the answer are you a batter eater or not? Like, do you eat the batter before you bake it? Like, if that's you, that's me, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're not, you're sinful, and I apologize to say that out loud. But there you go. No, I'm a batter eater, you know. And, you know, the other questions when it comes to baking, like, how long does it take for it to cool before you can touch it, right? Because it falls apart, and you have to smell it forever before you can enjoy it as you watch it cool on the stove or on the counter on a countertop, right? And then... You know, but the funny thing is, I was thinking about desserts, is we don't enjoy desserts until they're ready to eat, right? Some of us who are bakers, I'm not a baker, thank goodness, but some of us that are bakers in the room, like we enjoy baking, but we actually all get to enjoy the desserts when they're ready to eat, agreed? 
But here's the idea. There's a presupposition with that. Like, I can't enjoy the cookie. I can't enjoy the cupcake. I can't enjoy the batter before it's done. And the idea is, is this, is that cookies, cookies or baked goods or whatever I've, I have here in my notes is not a benefit until it is consumed, right? Like we wait, we wait, we wait, we watch, we watch, we watch. Is it good? Is it good? Is it good? And then we consume it. And the reality of it is, is that it doesn't affect my reality until it is in a form that benefits me most. You ever thought about that? Right, cookies and desserts, all the stuff that, especially when you make it homemade or you get with your family and you do that tomorrow and you have Christmas dinner, is that it's not enjoyed to its height until it's consumed in me in a form that benefits me the the most. And we get that, right? The cookie is best when eaten, not in its pre-baked form. But the idea is that we often look at the kingdom of Christ that way as well. And I know tonight and tomorrow we celebrate the start of the kingdom. But actually, the start of the kingdom happened before tonight, happened before tomorrow, and the birth of Jesus sets the kingdom in motion for us, as I said a second ago, as we were praying, that there is no, resurre- there's no uh, birth without tomorrow, there's no resurrection without Christmas, there's no resurrection without Christmas Eve, and oftentimes we feel closest to Jesus in that time because we are allowed to enjoy him in his most consumable state because his reality breaks into our reality and it radically reorientates our spiritual lives. Agreed? But just like there's no cookie without the batter, there's no kingdom without conception. There's no kingdom without conception. So we're going to spend some time this Christmas Eve looking at Mary's response to the conception. We stopped there last week just before, if you've been tracking with us in this Advent season, where the kingdom begins, and it's called Magnificent. There's been orchestral songs and music all written about this event, and I wanted to turn your attention to Luke chapter 1, if you'll follow along with me on the board. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39, just to set the scene for you. So Mary, this is Jesus' mom, Mary. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Already, Jesus is not even, he's still in Mary's belly, and he's already having an impact on his physical world around him. Verse 44, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so just real quickly, if you know the story, this is the second interaction uh, that Mary has had with someone who is understanding the reality that hasn't actually fully developed yet, Right? This is the, the understanding of the reality that hasn't fully developed yet. Mary gets visited by the angel and says, you're going to conceive a son. And she goes and visits her, her aunt Elizabeth. And Elizabeth just heaps all this praise on her this evening. And, and, and she comes in the door. And then Mary's response of what is happening within her and watching it start to already shape the world around her says this, and starting in verse 46. Mary said, I love that, Mary said, before Jesus is even born in the morning, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, 
And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he was looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as she spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Amen? Amen. And I just love, just as we just look at this text for just a few minutes, I love that Mary's response as she's singing this song back to Elizabeth, as she's praising God for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do in her life, she always says something actively in the present in response to what God has already done in the past. Catch that? Did you catch that as we were reading it? Her response is dictated by God doing something that began in the past, even though it has not come to as we celebrate the birth of a baby full term. This idea of spontaneous worship in the present is always the result of what God has done and because of what he has done, accomplishing something for you and for me in the present. And so where that catches us today is why I wanted to look at this passage is while we celebrate the birth of a son who will take the world on his shoulders and take our place on the cross, that doesn't just change a reality. Reality started changing at the moment of conception. In the case of Mary, because of the prophecies of the Messiah, God will save his people himself. I love that, right? We looked at this a couple weeks, or last week, two weeks ago, where we said, no, I've chosen a king for myself, and out of this king, Jesus will come from David's line. And Mary's responding to that past, and that covenant promise. Let me read verses 49 through 50 again, just quickly. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, I don't know about you, but like for me, like... It's hard walking the Christian journey, right? It gets hard, especially it gets hard and busy around the Christmas season. But when I think about what does it look like for me as a follower of Christ, as I celebrate something that's already happened and I don't want to go on autopilot, right? That's what the season's danger is, is that we go on autopilot. Yeah, we did this last year. We'll do it again. We'll sing the songs. We'll watch the movies. We'll bake the cookies. We'll open the presents and then we'll just move on through our year. Don't go on autopilot because... He who is mighty has done great things. He who is mighty has done great things. And holy, holy, holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. Like, okay, like I could think I could do that, right? I could acknowledge what God has done. I could acknowledge what God is doing in me and hopefully through me. But what he's done in the past has radically reorientated my present. And that his mercy is for those who fear him. Like, that's easy to do because I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's coming next. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. But he does. And that's good. 
because his might leads to great things and it all flows out of his holy name while his mercy extends to all generations. The good news of Jesus does not begin at birth but at conception and from his prophecies which leads us to a couple of truths. Truth number one, let this just marinate for just a moment. I just want your attention for just a few minutes. Truth number one, God has done good things in the past for your future good just like Mary. Do you believe that? It's easy to believe when nothing's going on. And it's harder to believe when things are. Amen? But just because it's hard for us to believe doesn't change anything that he has done. Because God has done great things in the past for our future good, just like Mary. We could face today and tomorrow because of what God has done in the past. Just like we could celebrate this evening and tomorrow because of what God has done in the past. And there's a couple of things that God reveal that God reveals himself in Mary's song to him. One, God is a divine warrior. Man, this is not a Christmas Eve service. This is a Christmas Eve service, y'all. Come on. Right? Like this isn't just we're gonna sing. Like God is a divine warrior. We just read the text. God isn't someone who pulls the puppet strings and then leaves us off to our own devices. He is actively involved. Do you believe that? He is actively involved in fighting for our redemption through the birth of Jesus. Actively, not passively. Right? That's what we fight is the passivity of this world. But God is active, living, active, and pressing in things. Verse 52 says this. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. I hope you think of yourself as a humble estate, because I do, because Mary did, because Jesus decided he could have entered the world in any form, in any way that he wanted to, and decided to enter in our experience so that he could identify with you and for me. Isn't that good? And what does a divine warrior do? Right? He brings down thrones, not through passivity, but through battle and war, and perseverance, and endurance, and strength, and might, which leads us to truth number two. God in battle has removed the thrones over us that attempt to hold you back and hold you down through Jesus' birth. God in battle has removed the thrones over us that attempt to hold us back and hold us down through Christ's birth. Now, I know, that's easier said than done, right? But that, I think, is the miracle of Christmas, amen? Is that no matter what our present circumstances dictate, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what challenge we're facing, no matter what thing's going on in our family, because Christmas can be hard, right? The reality of it is, is that God, in battle, as a warrior, has removed the things that ultimately will hold us down and hold us back from being with him eternally. And when I think about the best way to do that is to leave, live each day in that reality, no matter the circumstances. God, I know this is really hard. God, I don't have enough in my bank account. I don't know what's going on in this relationship. I'm struggling at work. I'm struggling with my family. Why are things not working well right now? But understanding that he has removed the thrones that hold us down and hold us back through Jesus Christ. 
And this is not like some, self for, some form of self-help where we wish toward existence, right? Like that kind of happens, right? Like if you just believe it, it'll come true. Maybe, maybe not. But in Christ, it will. It will find its fulfillment. Because Jesus was born, he died, and he is alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father. Not only is God this warrior who is simultaneously fighting our battles for us, he's also in mercy upholding the covenant. He's the merciful God of the covenant. I love this, this picture of God. God is so great, so strong, so big, so awesome, so powerful that he could be a warrior and at the same time be merciful and neither of those things will counteract the other. That in the fullness of who God is, he's expressing himself to you and to me through Mary's song this evening as a warrior and as a merciful God of the covenant. Verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. If you know the story, right? There's Abraham who God called out of his land into another land. And said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Out of you, the world will be blessed. And here Mary is saying and connecting the dots for us. Before Jesus ever pops out the womb and is, is hanging out in a manger on tomorrow morning. Which brings us to truth number three. God's mercy is never expressed through a one-time act. That's what the world would have you say. That's what Satan would have you believe. But God's mercy is never expressed through a one-time act. He expresses it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then just when you think you can't go any farther away from him and, either, and any deeper in the things that you don't want to be a part of anymore, he expresses it over and over and over and over and over and over again. His mercy is will always cover you and me. I love that. Also, something else I like about the Bible is how cyclical it is. How cyclical it is. You ever notice that, like, how the stories just kind of get repeated over and over again? By the way, this isn't the first time a woman has responded in spontaneous song and worship at the birth of a promised child. Did you know that? That's happened before. Hannah, mother to Samuel, who delivers Israel by securing its return. Hannah, if you know her, she gives birth to Samuel. Samuel is the prophet who anoints David as a king and commits treachery against Saul. Saul is the first king elected, right, if you know him. And he looks the part, but he doesn't act the part. But God says, no, actually, I've chosen a king for me. And out of David's line, this is why it makes so, this, I love just this, how circular the Bible is, is out of the Davidic line, the Messiah will rise. Guess who's in the Davidic line? Joseph, Jesus' father on earth. And so I just want to read you Hannah's song as well. This evening, you turn your Bibles if you have it to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. And I just want you to notice the themes here that gets repeated from Mary's song to Hannah's song. So here's Hannah who's waiting on a promised birth of a son. And she says this, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. 
Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken. Remember who breaks bows, but a warrior who is stronger than the bows, the, the warrior, the, the bows that he's breaking. But the feeble bind on strength. Thank the Lord. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased the hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she has many children and is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to shale and raises up, and the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts, and he raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes. That's humble estate, I think, right? A humble estate from the ash heap. You ever feel like as a person you're, you sit on the ash heap like you're not worthy? It's absolutely not true. You were made to sit with princes because there's a God who went before you and took your place and inherit a seat of honor. I just love that. I just want to read it again. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world and he will guard the feet of his beautiful ones but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness for not by might shall a man prevail here you go let's see how this ends but the adversaries of the lord shall be broken to pieces against him he will thunder in heaven the lord will judge the ends of the earth and he will give strength to who his king wow his king and exalt the power of his anointed Praise be to God. I mean, a thousand years between David and Jesus, I believe, and a few years before Samuel comes on the scene as a prophet. And there is God being worshipped by a mom, giving birth to a son, who says God will exalt his anointed. And he sends Jesus to be born in a manger because no one gets to sit on the ash heap anymore. No one gets to sit on the mass sheep anymore because as in Hannah and Mary's source of the baby boy changes everything. And tomorrow, right? It's already happened. But tomorrow, the birth comes to fruition. Amen? But the conception of that birth, the Mary's response sets the table for everything that comes after. Notice that? We always think, remember, the cookie's best when we eat it. But everything happens before the cookie is made that sets it all in motion, just like our passage this evening. And so I have a question for you. Not a typical Christmas Eve question. What is, the God, what is God setting the table for in you? Because we get so wrapped up, and I've got to do this thing because it's appropriately the right time to do it. I've got to celebrate Jesus. got to... Gotta, figure out what that looks like for this season and then I'll slowly drift back into my to to my regular schedule and we forget that actually God has set something in motion for us. So my question to you, my second question is this. This evening, what has God put in you? Because he has put something in each of us because Jesus is born tomorrow. And conceptually, right now, you and for me, as we close the, the books on 22 and we open the books on 23, right now, there's a new season that you and I are about to enter. You and I are about to enter. Because Mary's conception changed everything for her before Jesus' birth, Jesus' birth changed everything else for everyone else.
So what's your question? What's your answer? Do you have one? I don't know. Maybe you don't have it because you haven't asked him. But the good news for you and for me is that we celebrate the birth of a Savior. Maybe you've resisted him far too long. Guess what? We celebrate the birth of a Savior. Maybe it's time for you to allow him to come home in your heart. Because we celebrate the birth of a Savior. So Tanya's going to play. And I just want to give you just 30 seconds, just some space. And just ask God, God, what is it that you're putting in me? What is it that you want me to walk into in 23? Because as we looked at the text, it's coming to fulfillment. Does it change our reality? Our reality gets changed moment by moment, day by day, as we press into what he has for you and for me. So Tanya, will you play, please? a moment. God, I thank you for what you're saying to the, those of us that are gathered this evening and what you're saying simultaneously to the world right now that this evening screams new life. This evening screams not yesterday, but tomorrow. Because we get to celebrate a birth. God, I know that there's going to be things that are going to try to dissuade us from what it is that you're saying to us right now. And my prayer is that you would set a hedge of protection around these hearts and minds as they talk to you. Maybe this is a regular occurrence. Lord, I'm thankful for that. Maybe this isn't a regular occurrence. God, I'm thankful for that because you speak boldly just as you speak, spoke boldly through Mary. And so, God, I'm thankful that while tonight is silent the world is disrupted through your cries so Lord we'll give it to you it's in your name amen amen thank you for that so here's how I'd like for us to end you should have candles at your chairs and I think we're going to get those lit and while those are being lit and Hopefully we don't burn the house down. Let's not do that, right? That would be something, wouldn't it? We would certainly um, make the news. Or at least a YouTube video on on what not to do at Christmas Eve, right? Um, But I would like to do this. I would like for us to stand after your candle gets lit. And I'd like for us together to read the first four verses from Mary's song. Because if you didn't notice, the first half of her song was talking about her and how she's individually impacted by the birth, the coming birth of Jesus. 
So we're going to do that. There you go. Y'all, yeah, keep making your way over. If you need a candle lit, you can do that. And so after they're lit, we'll stand after we read. And then we'll sing the first verse and chorus of Silent Night. That seems appropriate, doesn't it? And then we'll pause and then we'll read the second half of Mary's song together. And then we'll finish Silent Night and we'll close in prayer. Okay? Does that sound good? Okay. So we're going to throw it back on the board. And I'd like for all of us to read this out loud together. Verses 46 through 40, 50, excuse me. And Mary said, my soul, this is where you read to, magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in the God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and his holy name and his mercy is not for those who fear him from generation to generation. Tanya. just reading for ourselves, we're also reading for everyone that maybe doesn't know him or needs to repair their relationship with him. So I love just how her song spreads out, not just from her, but to everyone. So starting in verse 51, read with me. He has shown, shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever.
coming out tonight and as we blow out these candles remember that we carry Jesus with us so we have a light that goes everywhere that we go and although we blow these out tonight go ahead and blow them out let your light shine wherever you go because you remember that you carry Jesus and you are the representation of Jesus to this world and there's many that need that hope so thank you all for, for being here tonight. Merry Christmas. I hope that you all enjoy your Sunday together as you get to spend it as your family. If you show up here, nobody else will be here. So please stay home and enjoy time with family and enjoy Jesus at home tomorrow. So thank you all for being here tonight. Have a good evening. Hold on. Uh, there's a blue bucket in the back. You can drop the candles in that bucket on the way out. Thank you, Gino. These are the people that have seen me through my hardest days. Thank God I have There's nothing like the joy we find when we're together. Christmas time opens up my eyes to what really matters. I'm going to walk.